Well, this is the show I absolutely love doing. It's called Take 10, and our normal makeup of the Take 10 crew are Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known psychotherapist and expert on addictions. Carol Zernil, our co-host, nationally known as well as an expert on gerontology and aging. She is on special assignment today, so it is me, Ron Aaron, and Dr. Jamie. So, Dr. Jamie, we had a guest on uh, talking about eating disorders, binge eating, and, and as an expert, she's been in the field for uh, over 31 years. She is seeing more and more caregivers and older people struggling with binge eating. Why would that be? Well, let's face it. Addictions are addictions are addictions. And let's, let's say for the audience's sake, the definition of an addiction is to do any behavior wrong, any behavior whatsoever, despite adverse consequences. So that makes uh, heroin addiction, smoking, eating disorders, uh, video games, you name it, a part of that. Any addiction is really any behavior done despite adverse consequences. So why do we do behaviors? Because it alleviates anxiety. We trance out. We literally need an escape from the pain, the suffering. The additional suffering now with COVID and civil rights unrest. So caregiving was already not, not a big bargain unless you were taking care of yourself and using the experience to grow mentally, to grow psychologically, grow physically, and to you know, take your oxygen first and see it as a gift. Most caregivers are challenged. So instead of taking care of themselves, they rather detach, distance. And so what's the first thing you do? I do it in the middle of the night. I stress eat. I go to the fridge. Really? Yeah, I, I do it as well. I need to say a prayer in my mind, grant me the serenity, accept the things I can't change, courage to change things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Because I, in the middle of the night, feel the stress more. And I'm just a human being, not a human doing. I'll talk about it with my therapist, but I can feel that it allows me to go to medicate any sort of stress or anxiety I'm feeling that if I can't fall asleep. So eating an evening is a start. Then 24-7, you can end up in a binge eating, you know, for good. When you get up and, and go eat in the middle of the night, are you conscious? You know you're doing that? I do, but I think I disassociate. I really don't think I need to eat. I don't think I'm hungry. I try to lean into it. You know how you lean into stress? Because literally, I would think it's a trance state. So I think if you can lean into it, meditate around it, embrace it, uh, you become more hip to it. Now, so our caregivers, I think, should understand there's a lot of resources out there. Eating disorders is a very... uh, very huge, almost pandemic itself, condition. The reason why is a lot of families who had out-of-control daddies or mommies and had a lot of addiction, kids would kind of use food and literally control of of ingestion of food um, as as a function of trancing out. So they would either become bulimic, they would become anorectic, or they would become binge eaters. So it literally is an addiction that is genetically predisposed and psychologically induced and socially reinforced. It's just that caregivers now have a huge, more amount of pressure to really return to that. Now, you mentioned binge eating, and I immediately flash to somebody sitting in front of the freezer 
uh, on the floor in their kitchen eating gallon after gallon of ice cream. Right, and that's usually a depressing um, end result. That overwhelmed, heartbroken person who's just done that gallon of ice cream. And I know I plead guilty, too. Um, is really asking themselves, how do I find peace in the middle of the night rather than my refrigerator and a barrel of ice cream? And to do that, we literally have to understand that we have to get in recovery. As caregivers, you know, I always say codependency anonymous is the best thing because it's about people, places, and things. But being kind to yourself and taking care of yourself, mind, body, soul, is a spiritual transformative path. And if we don't want to be sitting in front of that refrigerator with that gallon of ice cream post-eating, we probably will fill our lives with something more spiritual, like a recovery program. And does self-hate come with that? Oh, self-hate never. I don't know if self-hate's the initiator, self-hate is the bridge, or self-hate is the end result. But I can flat out tell you that in our minds, we have a judge and we have a victim. It usually comes from the kind of talk we have as a child in very difficult family situations. And we're our worst enemy. So self-hate is there almost without the addiction. And when we have the addiction, it's twice as bad. Do folks who go through this know they have a problem? They do up until, uh, they do. I say yes. But to be frank with you, most people who isolate are living alone, are less aware, and have used it more as a routine way to medicate themselves. Those who have close ties to families who can reflect back to them what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, what they're perceiving, those will have a quicker time of awareness and possibly get well. Those who are literally going into a bulimic or anorectic world are medically getting sick. And then if they have family members, they'll be in treatment soon if they have the resources. So it depends upon whether you're isolating, whether you have an involved family or people that notice you, and how deep the pathology is. Now, those who are bulimic are uh, eating many more calories than anybody should eat, uh, but inducing either by vomiting or uh, uh, creating uh, other methods to lose that food uh, so they can continue eating it. And yeah, then anore- anorexics uh, cut way back on what they eat, and, and visibly over time you see that. Yes. And interesting clinically, without getting too deep into the clinical psychobabble, all of this is about the control issues. Again, when you're out of control, you're most controlling. Remember, we always say that. But if you grew up in a childhood that was out of control, then you would either, you know, your mom or dad would make you eat, okay, and they would force feed you. Then your mouth, the ingestion, literally became the control issue. So you could eat and then you could purge. Those are people, obviously, in that state of awareness and state of self-hate and they'll vomit. The anorectic is totally restrictive. It's the most difficult intervention and difficult disorder there is. Extraordinarily intelligent people who come from very dysfunctional homes that were out of control. So there are treatment centers and good treatment centers out there, and I really suggest if anybody has an eating disorder um, to definitely call and get some help. I can remember overhearing a conversation uh, at a kid's birthday party uh, where, you know, lots of parents stand on the side and the kids 
do their thing. And there were two women talking about how they just can't get their kid to eat. Uh, but boy, I, she's not going to outsit me at that table. She's going to eat. And I, not being the shy one, I said, you know what? She can outlast you. It's the only thing she controls, which is what your daughter puts in her mouth, and you can't make her eat. You might physically try it, but over time, I would not engage in that battle. Now, that was my you're advice, and I'm not a shrink. Well, you're so right, because not only do you develop a battle of eating disorders, and caregivers, again, have a lot of reasons to exacerbate uh, their emotions because they're going through some hell, but what you'll do is create what's worse or complementary, what's called a personality disorder. So I knew a dad that would sit his kid there and would leave the room until the child would eat. So there'd be no attachment. The child would cry their eyes out. There'd be no love. There'd be no And then the child later became personality disordered individual with an eating disorder. So we reap what we sow in childhood, Ron. I thought it was great advice you gave to that person is to let go and accept the process and do not create mental illness. At the time... I don't think she appreciated it. No, she wouldn't. Because don't forget, you're dealing with clinical issues inside of her around control. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Jamie Heisman joins us for Take 10, along with Carol Zerniel, our co-host, who is on special assignment today. We will talk with you again soon on Take 10. Take 10.